Welcome to The Cruise Biz, a series of exclusive podcasts brought to you by Stuart Pearl and Philip Ordiva of The Cruise Strategy Company, dedicated to supporting UK travel agents sell more cruise. Today we're listening to the next in our series of In Conversation With podcasts, when our three renowned and award-winning travel writers help us understand more about cruise. Jane Archer, who writes for a number of national newspapers, including the Daily Telegraph and various national magazines and trade titles. Sarah Macefield writes for the Daily Mail and Mail on Sunday, the Daily Telegraph and the Times, plus various travel trade publications. And Janine Williamson, a.k.a. the River Cruise Queen, writes for a number of titles, including the Daily Telegraph, Cruise Critic and World of Cruising. Everyone knows hotels are different, but when it comes to cruise, they think ships are a one-size-fits-all type of holiday. Yet they might hold anything from 50 passengers to more than 6,000 and any number in between. So they really are all different and appeal to different people. What's your take on the big ships, Sarah? Well, the big ships, Jane, they're just like floating resorts where they can be big and busy. There is so much to do and they appeal to lots of different sort of um, customer groups. But I think particularly families, younger people, Um, you've got so much entertainment. You've got so many onboard activities. Certainly the bigger ships have no end of climbing walls, surf simulators, ice skating rinks. Um, You have a huge choice of places to eat, places to dine, um, bars, etc. On the biggest ships, you have about more than 30 venues to choose from. So everything is amplified. And these, you know, these really floating resorts are an entertainment complex in their own right. Um, so much so, you know, so much more than the smaller ships. I mean, Janine, what's your experience of them? Well, Sarah, I'm sure you remember our... Um... <laughs> virtual roller coaster ride on, a, on an MSC ship, you know, which was an extraordinary, you know, great fun. I mean, everybody could actually see us from the outside. We were in this little pod that moved around with this virtual roller coaster course in front of us. And I mean, we, well, we were screaming our heads off. It really felt as if we were on a roller coaster and everybody else was laughing outside. And I mean, with that, there were other things like on all manner of big ships, you know, there are Formula One simulators, you can drive a racing car. Um, I was on another ship, I did one of these virtual skydiving things. You know, it was just such an incredible experience. I don't think when people haven't been on a ship, they don't realise, as you just said, they are resorts at sea. Anything you can find on dry land, you can find on a ship. I mean, they are going to have a real roller coasters, aren't they, soon on some of the ships. Um, and I mean, I think, Jane, you've obviously been on some of the, have you done some of these cycling courses in the air and all the yeah, unfortunately I haven't got a very good head for heights so I was not able to do the cycling one um, but but I'm with you on that roller coaster I mean it's it's so real it's extraordinary and I remember doing a virtual maze as well and actually you walk around and and it is so real that you think you're about to fall I really thought that the, that the floor was crumbling and I'm shouting out is this going to give way is this going to give way and it, it, is just, it is just amazing, all this stuff on there, it really is. So, of course, the smaller ships are that much different. I mean, they don't have all of these things on there. You know, you have the bars. Many of them have entertainment lounges. Um, it's extraordinary how many restaurants they manage to fit in. Um, but it is a very, very different experience, isn't it? And, and I guess also there are so many, as I said, in, um, ships in between that. So the ships with, say, a 1,000 passengers or 1,500 passengers, 
and, and they have a bit of everything. They're sort of like, I suppose you could say they've got a, a few, a bit more than the smaller ships and they have got a bit less than the bigger ships. It is extraordinary how there is this different appeal, isn't it, Sarah? Yes, they have a different ambience on board. I mean, I think particularly for some of the smaller ships, the ones that take sort of passengers in their hundreds rather than their thousands, it's more of an intimate sort of feel, um, more cosy in the bars. I think even though on the bigger ships, you can find some tucked away places, which I think is important to stress. But as we said, they are big and busy um, a lot of the time, though it is well organised in my experience. But on the smaller ships, um, it is more of a relaxed, more of a slower pace. It's more about sitting on deck, enjoying the views, particularly, I think, in the evening when you're sailing away and you've got these alfresco drinking areas. Um, I think also with... Um, the restaurants as well there's a more intimate atmosphere with them um, and on those ships there, there is just um, that feel you know of sailing to the destinations and just really enjoying the actual experience of sailing because sometimes I think on the larger ships you can almost forget that you're at sea particularly on the largest oasis class ships of Royal Caribbean where they have their central park area and you can't even see the sea whereas on the sort of smaller ships it's all about the destination as well and it's all about where you're sailing to on the oceans and of course attracting a different type of person isn't it because very much those big ships are great for families wonderful for families um whereas those families just might not fit in and be happy on the smaller ships in any way like you say because it's a completely different experience i mean maybe we need to look at what's included in all of these. I mean, Janine, is, is, it's so, so very different, isn't it, in what some include and, and others include or don't include? Yes, and I think, um, again, that's, you know, when people are booking cruises, you know, you need to talk to your travel agent first to find out exactly what is included. I mean, some, you can have absolutely everything included, obviously the top, top luxury, luxury ships that carry smaller number of passengers. I mean, you've got butlers looking after your every whim, if you like that sort of thing. Um, and all your drinks are included. I mean, everything from morning to night is included. Others, when you're on a budget, great, you know, maybe for, you know, families and things like that, where you can pick and choose what's included. I mean, you're, you're starting from some ships where, you know, you've got your buffet meals and no drinks. And then, of course, you can get drink packages. I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced then the different categories of packages that you can buy to either enhance your experience, make it more cost effective, and again, as we said before, there really is a cruise for everybody on whatever budget you've got. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Sarah, with that? Yes. I mean, there's a saying about the more expensive ships in that you pay more to get on, but less to get off. And um, one of the accusations that sometimes is levelled at the more main market ships is that um, they can be accused of nickel and diming because obviously people have paid their price to get on, which is for their, you know, their accommodation and their meals. But then once they get on, there are the extra charges for speciality restaurants and perhaps for, you know, some of the gym classes and, you know, obviously the excursions where Whereas, as we've discussed, with the more expensive lines, all that is included. So it is very much a case of knowing the product, particularly, I think, in terms because separate cruise lines are changing their policies as well. I mean, a lot more include gratuities now, you know, even on the mainstream lines like P&O, for example. Um, and that can add quite a lot to the holiday. So it, it is something I think very much to sort of bear in mind for anyone 
choosing a cruise, particularly with families. If you have gratuities, you know, it's times four or five because you have to pay for children as well. So there are lots of things, you know, the drinks packages. Yes, you know, virtually all the lines do them. I think you really have to look at the consumption because sometimes you have to be drinking a heck of a lot to get your value on those drinks packages. But things are so competitive between the cruise lines. Um, a lot of them are including um, aspects such as gratuities, if it's a line which would normally make you pay for them, such as drinks packages, um, excursions as well. So again, it's worth looking at these packages of special offers. Some include, I know Norwegian Cruise Line, big on their freestyle dining, for example, with all their speciality restaurants. They um, have packages as well, mm. where you pay a certain price, and you can eat at three or five speciality restaurants, which I think is a good way of doing it as well. So there, and, there's and lots of, to consider. And of course, it's almost it's also worth pointing out that a lot of the a lot of the lines actually uh, are even the mass market ones are becoming uh, more inclusive. For instance, Morella Cruises, uh, you know, they are including drinks in the price as standard. They include tips in the price as standard. Mm. So it really does pay to mm. have a have a you know, good look around whilst you're deciding what ship is going to suit you is to find out what is offered uh, and what you're prepared to pay, how your budget works for that. Uh, and then, of course, we come to the destinations. I mean, that's such a huge subject, isn't it? There's so many places that you can go to. I mean, just sailing out of the UK, you can go to Mediterranean, you can go to the fjords, you can go to the Baltic, you can go, you can even go around the world, for goodness sake. If you want to get on a plane, you can fly to the Mediterranean uh, and you've, you know, there are, the choices there are absolutely enormous of the places that you can go to out of Rome, over to Croatia, out of Croatia, back down to Greece, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it is absolutely extraordinary, isn't it? The, the variety, Janine. I think, again, and you have to think, you know, what time of year you want to cruise and where you want to go and probably, you know, for first time cruisers, you know, choose your destination first. I mean, a Mediterranean cruise is a fantastic choice. And as you've just said, you can go from the UK, um, which is really helpful with things like obviously you're just going from your local port um, and, and many cruise lines, you know, will actually take, you know, include transport to the port even, you know, lines such as Saga. So you've got absolutely nothing to worry about if you're a first time cruiser, you're picked up from your home, you're taken to your port, everything's taken care of. Um, and I think with another big bonus with cruises out of the UK is, you know, if you take a lot of luggage with you, you can take as much as you like. You haven't got all the hassle of airports, um, having all your baggage weighed, finding you're overweight, you buy a lot of stuff when you're over there. And then, you know, on the way back, you're paying excess baggage charges. So I would always suggest for first time cruisers, consider an ex-UK cruise. I think it's a really good introduction to cruising. I would say it's important to differentiate between the different itineraries um, based upon the size of the ship. So, for example, if you've got people who have cruised the Mediterranean or the Caribbean, for example, on the bigger ships, and they've been to the hallmark ports, the main ports, so in the Med, you know, Barcelona, Chavita Vecchia, etc., um, don't 
then think that you've done the Med or the Caribbean or wherever, because you will get a very different experience on a smaller ship because they will go in. They will also serve some of the Hallmark ports, but they will also go into the smaller ports. So in the Mediterranean, you know, you will get the smaller ships perhaps going to Sorrento, for example, the Aeolian Islands, um, some of the smaller Greek islands, you know, like Patmos or Milos. In the Caribbean, instead of going to St Kitts, possibly, they'll go to the sister island, Nevis, or perhaps they'll cruise through the Grenadines and go to Union Island or the Tobago Keys um, or go to the island of Sabre. So, you know, it's, it's very different experiences, again, in terms of destination that the smaller ships are offering. And obviously, once you get to those destinations, in terms of walking off, it, you know, you're just with a few hundred people instead of a few thousand. So you don't get that big mass that you can get. It, 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 is, it is very different. I mean, Jane, I mean, I know you've cruised quite a lot on the smaller lines, so you've probably experienced this extensively, I should think. Yeah, it, it is a very, very different experience, as you say. And it is great to get to these off the beaten track or, or more off the beaten track places. Uh, having said that, I do think for first timers, there, there are certain places the first timers always want to go. Um, on when they do their first cruise uh, and Rome is is one of the big ones and Florence is another one I'm talking obviously in the Mediterranean here um, and Barcelona these are these are the places I think everyone wants to see when they're a first timer uh, in the Caribbean I think Barbados, St Thomas, uh, St Martin those are the those are the names they've all heard of they want to see these places uh, and then once they've seen them, it is time to move on and, and move down to, to a smaller ship and find out these other little ports because there are some little gems out there. They're absolutely great. They don't necessarily have, you know, all the big city attractions, but they, ha they have a, a real feel to them. You, you, can, you can go to a, a local restaurant and you're not going to be surrounded by other tourists and you can go into the taverna if you're in Greece and it's going to be you know, sort of trying to make yourself understood if you don't speak Greek and that kind of thing. And it is, it's a lovely experience. And, and you can get that extraordinarily in all kinds of places. I mean, we're, we're talking really close to home. We're talking of the Med and the Caribbean, Caribbean not being close to home, but you can go to Alaska and you can do a small ship experience on that. And they, that also will go to ports that are completely different to the, to the Ketchikan, Juno, um, you know, the um, Skagway, triangle that the big ships go to and so it's definitely worth having a look at all these other places uh, and obviously then working out the best time to go and many of them you know that there are certain times you can go there is no choice in Alaska the season runs roughly from May to September that's when it is if you want to go to the Baltic it's roughly speaking April to the end of September but you've got the Caribbean is year round. Um, you've got the Norwegian fjords, which are year round. Summer is when most people go, of course. Uh, but winter is a great time to see the Norwegian lights. And, and if you're lucky, so the Norwegian lights, the Northern, Northern lights. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, but, you know, if you're lucky, I mean, what a fantastic experience that is. So all of these places you can, you can try when you're on a cruise. And it's fantastic. Start at the top and then you can work your way down to it. Uh, but I guess the one thing we haven't spoken about is why do people go on cruises? 
Well, <laughs> any number of reasons, and some we've already covered. I mean, as Janine mentioned, you know, the unpacking only once, particularly from the UK, obviously, and take whatever you can sort of get into your cabin. Um, so many destinations in one cruise. I think that is so vital, particularly in long haul destinations, for example, like Asia. Cruising is a fantastic way to tick off several experiences, several destinations in one trip that would be virtually impossible and certainly a lot of hassle to arrange off your own back. Um, safe and easy. I think, again, you know, for different types of travellers, we've mentioned families. Um, again, if you're travelling with young children, you have that sort of security. But also for solo travellers and also for female travellers. Um, I think there is that sort of security of being in the ship community, of getting to know people. And again, I would say for solo travellers, if I was going on my own, and I sometimes do, um, I prefer travelling on the smaller ships because there is that more of the sense of community. You do bump into people more you don't just feel you're one of many thousands and you can get lost in that um, so I think you know that is something and it, and it is a ready-made you know it's almost like a ready-made family for solo travellers you bump into people at meal times maybe over the jigsaw if it's a smaller more traditional ship um, on excursions um, so I think there is very much there is very much a cruise for everyone out there but it's just the so so important to get on the right ship and I think that is really where it's so vital that agents know the product and agents can direct people in the right way and again looking as we've said before looking at people's preferences for hotels and then transferring to the ships because at the end of the day ships are floating hotels so if you like your big resorts then go for one of the big you know mega ships if you like your small cozy hotels then go for one of the boutique ships it's it's just getting your head around that I think I, my advice to people often is to write down what you want from your cruise uh, and, and actually just have your priorities at the top. Write down the list of things, the places that you, you fancy going to, the type of ship that appeals, whether you want something all included or not all included. And that's something that you can then work from and your agent can work from as well because you need to have a clear idea so that the agent can get you on the right ship. As you say, Sarah, that is so very important, particularly for first timers. If you go on the right cruise, I mean, I, th I, goodness knows, I don't know the percentages, but I guess a huge number are already booking their next cruise before they've come off because they're hooked. Uh, and you can understand why there, there is it's such a fantastic way to see the world and to travel and have all these different experiences that we've been talking about. Um, so absolutely, people want to get back on again. I've, I've spoken to many, many times and say, that's it, we're hooked, we're already booking again. And I, I would just say, just to change it around, because obviously, as you said, Jane, I think that's a great idea for people to write down what they're expecting from a cruise. But um, I imagine there may be quite a few travel agents listening to this who've never sold cruise and might think, well, who can I sell cruise to? I mean, they will already have their cruise customers on their books. You know, they're not a different breed of, of you know, um, holiday maker. I mean, anybody who likes to go away, anybody who's booked any type of holiday with them before would enjoy a cruise. For example, if they've got clients that love city breaks, I mean, there are real um, port intensive cruises now where which are spending a lot of time in destinations overnighting in ports such as you know the cultural cities we've talked about in Italy um, you know so city break clients would love something like that uh, clients that like to go on adventures you know there are all types of expedition cruises 
families that like resorts, or like we, as we've said with the big ships, they are floating resorts at sea, you know, with the added benefit, you've got all the fantastic, you know, shows, the entertainment, casinos, things like this. And of course, you're visiting different places as well. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, look out for more insightful Cruise Biz chat on your podcast app or at cruisestrategy.co.uk. Thank you.